0: Yeah, thank you guys. So, so I can see some of you. Can you see me with my iPad glow? It looks like a Bible, so I, that, that's legit. Um, so how many of you were in this series, The Best Life, called Best Life? How many of you want to live your best life? Okay, some of you guys are just wrong by not wanting that. Um, if you get on Instagram or whatever your fam- favorite place to get online is, and you click the hashtag, best life, what do you see? You see all sorts of stuff. and uh, Be careful. You never know what you see. But, man, you'll see people, when people say, I'm, I just need to live my best life, they talk about dressing up like their favorite superhero, cosplay, being that, that, some people, that's what they think of. When you th- some people think of, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to live in a van down by the river, <laughs> rolling doobies, you know, I'm going to, uh, some people think that's their best life, It's just traveling, forget the world, let's just like travel the world, and let's forget my job, and it's all about you do you, you do you, that's the motto of the best life. Um, But my question is, let's look at what God's word says. The Bible says about what does it really mean to live your best life? And my question is, what if life is more than just what about you? What if life is not actually about you? What if it's about God and about glorifying God and about being used for his purposes on the earth? That's my thesis, if it's for all you nerds here, um, and so it's about that. Let me pray, and then we'll jump in, if you could join me in prayer. Father, it's humbling to be on this campus where there's so many people that don't live, don't know you, and we're proclaiming your name right in the middle of campus. So I pray that I would do that justice, but your, your spirit would guide me, and so I trust you to do that. And I thank you for empowering me. In Jesus name. Amen. So you have a little handout. If you can see it, I'm asking you to pull it out and follow along with me. The verses, I'm going to be using a lot of verses and a lot from the Bible. So, you know where I get my stuff. Um, It's straight from God's book, the Bible. Um, But my first point, if you're going to live your best life is you need to discover how to use your passions for a purpose. Now, what do I mean by passions? Passions is the thing that you can do. And you just never, you can do all night, you can forget about personal hygiene, you know, you can forget about what eating, you can just do it nonstop. Some of you guys, that's video games, anyone in here can play video games all night? All right, I'm not going to judge you. Um, Some of you, I can tell fashion is your thing, because you just look good, you just got that down, Um, fashion is your thing. Um, but my, what I want to encourage you to do is use your passions for a purpose because God has custom designed you to be used by God. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's uh, media, whatever it is, God's custom designed you and given you gifts and abilities and passions to be used for a bigger purpose than yourself. So the the best life is used for something bigger than yourself. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Before you were even born, God custom designed you to serve His purpose on earth. That excites me. That gets me pumped. That challenge, that's what we're here to do. We want to help you discover what is God's will for you. What does God want to do in and through your life? So how do you find God's call for your life? It's really not as weird and mystical as it sounds. It's not looking deep within, okay? It's actually looking, you'll find your purpose by looking to Jesus first, understanding the grand story of the Bible and asking this question, considering my unique gifts and abilities, how can I make the greatest impact in the world? You just do that and you'll figure out what God wants you to do with your life. It, I can promise you, it's as simple as that. Just get to know the God that made you and follow him closely. And then he will, he promises to lead you and guide you in a life that's so much bigger than yourself. That's what I want to just plead with you. Live a life that's bigger than your petty problems and your, your petty goals, your small goals. Live for something that's so much bigger because there's a world that needs to be changed. A, se- a self-focused life is really, honestly, a sad life. Because when you think about it, at the end of someone's life, when they're on their deathbed, I've never heard of anyone saying, I wish I just got looked out for me and getting mine more. I've, you never hear that. At the end of their life, no one ever says, I wish I looked out for me more. I took care of myself more. No, at the end of your life, it's about the people that you've loved, that you've served, that you've been a, been a, been a blessing to I was on the basketball team in high school and we were traveling. We went to Florida for a basketball tournament and there's this one guy on the basketball team. He could jump out of the gym. He could dunk. He was in the dunk contest. He could do like two balls dunking at the same time, but he was a ball hog. It was annoying. We were, we were down. We were losing. And he was just hogging the ball. And so at halftime, all, of our, all the team just got onto him. We're like, bro, you need to pass the ball. You need to be a team player because we're losing, and it's your fault. Even though you're the best player on the team, we need you to pass. And he said this. He said, I, yeah, I understand that we're losing, but I'm just about me and getting mine. Because I want to get noticed by the college scouts that are here. It's just about me and getting mine. And guess what? So the Coach Coach Hall was right around the corner of the locker room. And guess what my coach said? I cannot repeat what my coach said, but it was like he had, you know, it was like I, I could, do not want to, you to see this picture. It was like something out of a horror movie. He was just like mad at this dude. He flew him all the way home from, from Florida back to Texas, flew that dude's butt back to Texas. Because everyone knows that a selfish person is, is a sad person. Mark eight thirty five says only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Christ is calling us to a deeper life of something bigger than just our own selfish agenda. And that's what we're about at Challenge. We're, we love to have fellowship. We love to care for one another. We love to have fun times. But we also, we really honestly are here to change the world. We have people, there are people across the, the world right now that love and follow Jesus because of the people sitting in, this, in these seats right now. We take, we take summer mission teams. We take, we send, send money. We pray for people overseas. We are, we are literally changing the world. And the motive for that is not because, oh, we're so great. It's because we have the person, we follow the person that gave his life for, for those that, without him. First John 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I think we don't really understand what this means. A lot of us grew up in church, and we just hear Jesus died for us, and we think, yeah, 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 I know, I know. But Jesus, when, before he died on the cross, he was literally sweating drops of blood. He, he was in such anguish and such, before he, he was about to go to the cross the next day, he was in such agony and just this dread, this stress. And why was it? Was it because of the nails that went through his hands? Maybe partially. Was it because of the whips on his back? No, there's a biblical concept called the wrath of God. And all sin, every sin that's been committed for, the whole, for all of humanity and before and after him was built up just like a giant dam. And this was the, called the wrath. Biblically, this is called the wrath of God and God's anger towards sin. So if you want to know how much God hates sin, look at the cross because Jesus took that wrath. And imagine a, a giant dam built up. And all of a sudden that, that dam just breaks and it's heading straight towards you, and you have no hope. All of a sudden, this gap, this uh, ravine opens up, this canyon opens up, and all that water comes flooding into the ravine. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He took the wrath of God, God's fury, God's anger towards sin. Because you think about the things that that I don't even want to mention that people are doing around the world, that angers God. But Jesus took that pain. He took that punishment. And he took the punishment that we, that we deserved. We are every person in here is a part of that, that, that sin, that wrath that God poured on, on Jesus. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he, he shouted out, it is finished. Meaning paid in full. Jesus took every sin that you've ever committed And he completely is blotting it out when he died on the cross. Every sin in in the history of humanity, he took it out. It's like he took the uh, drink of the wrath of God. And when he poured it out, he cried out, it is finished. It's done. I've taken the the, the punishment that we deserved. When you think about a love like that, makes you want to give your life for something bigger than yourself. It makes you want to love others. That's what this verse is saying. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Second Corinthians five fourteen and 15. It says for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who, who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. When you become a follower of Christ, you no longer live for yourself. You live for Christ. You live to honor what he did. And the good news is every person on the planet can have access to f- complete and total forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross. So the next thing, if you want to live a life that's, that's the best life possible, is you want to deepen healthy relationships. That's my next point, to deepen healthy relationships, I have a concern for a lot of you is that you will go through college and you will just have a lot of shallow relationships. You'll kind of know some people in class. You'll kind of know some people here or there. You may date some people, but you will never have some, a lot of you, it's sad to say, will never have deep, meaningful, Christ-centered relationships. And that is the best part of college. I wanna encourage you, don't miss the best part of college. At Challenge, we have a theme verse, First Thessalonians 2.8. It says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So we're not just here to do Bible study, we're here to do life. We wanna, we really, you'll notice, the more you hang out with us, the more you chill with us, we're not just a club on campus, we're really a family. Like, we really love each other. We want to bring you in. Those of you that are new, we want you to be part of the family. There's always room for one more. That's one of our mottos here at Challenge. There's always room for one more. The best memories for me when I was in college was hanging out with my band of brothers. We had about six guys that lived on the hall, and our one goal was to share the gospel with all the freshmen every year. And so we would get together on Sunday nights and plead with God to, to save these people. And we would do dumb things like play disc golf with the trash cans in the dorms and go jump in all the fountains on campus. And we would skimboard on the volleyball court. We just did a lot of dumb things. But we also, we, we wept together. No, no, we didn't do that. We, we didn't wept. We were cool. Um, <laughs> we, we cried together. We, we confessed sin to each other. We prayed for each other. This these guys were in my wedding. These guys were the the people that I I look back. They're some of my best friends to this day. And that's what I want for you. I want you to have deep, healthy relationships. That's because life is meant to be lived with other people. So that's the reason we do so much together at Challenge. That's the reason we do our life groups. So you can meet people in a smaller setting. It's hard to meet people. You can, I want you to meet people tonight. But in the smaller settings, you have an opportunity to get to know people on a deeper level. Hebrews 10 24 and 25 it says and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching Hebrews 10 24 and 25 so the next thing I encourage you to do is decide your priorities decide your priorities right now what is your priority going to be I've seen Mr. High School President come onto campus and sign up for every club, every extracurricular, everything on campus, and a month later, he has a nervous twitch. He's like, I can't, he can't sleep, He's, he's just losing it. The thing is, is you have to make what's important to you a priority. So what is most important to you? Max Barnett, my mentor, said this. He said, show me someone's schedule, and I'll tell you what's important to them. So if I followed you around for a day, would I be able to tell what was important to you? And that's, that would be a little creepy. I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. But the, the what you want to do is what is important should always take priority over what is urgent. What is important should always take priority over what is urgent. That's in the next slide. I believe what is important to you should always take priority over what is urgent. So, think about it. When you have a test, that's important. Okay. What's urgent is the buddies want to go, go out to the bear or something. So which one you have to choose, or even your relationship with, with God. I've heard some people treat challenge almost like a class, because they know it's God's a priority in my life. It's a fun class, okay? It's, a, it's more enjoyable than most classes, we hope. Uh, but every th- every Tuesday night, they just block that out. They even told their work at Taco Bell, hey, I can't be there because I, I have class. <laughs> I gotta be there. I don't know, that was interesting that they did that. But this is something I wanna encourage you with. I've seen a lot of people even come to college and they want to walk with God. They want to follow God in college. But this verse happens, Mark four nineteen. It says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. If you want to circle something, circle the word, the phrase, other things. Other things. I'm not, for those of you that are followers of Christ, I'm not that concerned that you're going to go out and become a drug dealer or you're going to like go become like, you know, I don't know, do something crazy. But I am concerned that other things are going to get in the way of your walk with God. I think that is the thing. It's a slow drift from putting Christ at the center of your life. So I want to encourage you get a daily time with God. There's no better way, time than in college to get into the Word of God. Have you read the Bible cover to cover? You're going to be reading a lot of books over your time in college, but have you ever just read the, the whole Bible? How many of you guys believe the Bible? Okay, a few people. How many of you have also read the whole thing? Okay, a few. few. But think about it. If you really believe it, why not read the whole thing? Take time to get into it. But also, knowing Jesus is the goal of life. Philippians 3, 7, and 8. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. This is probably my favorite passage in all of scripture, because it's basically saying there is nothing... Compared to knowing Christ, I want you to circle the word or underline surpassing greatness. Surpassing greatness. It's saying there's nothing better than knowing Jesus. I want to say that to you right now. I've walked with Jesus for about 15 years, and there is honestly nothing better than knowing Jesus. And everything else is rubbish. Rubbish, it says in this passage, which is in the Greek, it actually is a strong word for poop, okay? So everything compared to knowing Jesus is a word that when people read it, they would almost be offended. That. Did Paul, the Apostle Paul that wrote this, did he just say this? It's actually scubula, so it comes from like sewage. Everything compared to knowing Christ is sewage, is, is, is garbage. You, want it, you don't want that in your life. You want to you put Christ in his proper place. And he's not saying you don't, Jesus is, you, you become a monk or whatever. It, it just means that, that Jesus is the top priority in your life. Compared to knowing Jesus, everything is rubbish, garbage. Psalm 63.3. It's a verse that's been on my heart a lot recently. It says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glor- glorify you. When I read a verse like this, like something inside me just says, yes, this is true. This is real. There's, there's, I almost like, it's, I don't, it's hard to describe, but I have this relationship with God where when you hear this, like you can get to a point where you hear a verse like this and you're just like, yes, I totally understand what that means. Your love is better than life. The best life is the the life of knowing God on a progressively deeper level. And this is last six months. I've, I've gotten to know God on such a deeper level than I, than I had before. I've been getting up a lot earlier, about 530 in the morning to pray and to get some time with God, read the Bible, memorize verses, and just spend time knowing him. I want to just challenge you, those of you that are believers, those of you that aren't, you can know God on a deeper level than you do right now. And this is something just the last few years, it's has been the last few months, honestly, it's been a, a thing that I just want to challenge you guys. Let's make this semester, if, if anything else, make this semester a semester that you got to know God better. Like knowing God, there's nothing better than that. Jeremiah 9, 24, it says, But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I love this first phrase. He said, Let him, boasts, him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Don't boast about your success. Don't boast about your achievements. Don't boast about your looks. Boast about knowing God. That's the only thing that you can boast about. If you want to boast about anything, God's saying boast about that, that you know me, that you understand me. If this is not a religion, this is not just something we're trying club, we're trying to get money or some weird thing or whatever. This is about knowing the God of the universe, the God that made you, the God that spoke and all of creation came into existence. You can know him on an intimate, real, personal level. Another verse that's been on my heart lately is Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? Psalm 42, 1 and 2. I get this picture when I'm about to, when I get up in the early in the morning, I'm, cr- I'm cranky. I'm barely a Christian when I get up early in the morning, but then I get my, get my urban mate. That's my drink of choice. And I get my Bible app on my phone and there's something like that. I just get excited. Like it's almost like this, this verse as a deer pants for streams of the water. My soul salivates for God's word for prayer, time and prayer with God. Like there's something in me that just wants to go be with God. And when I first dated my wife, I've been married 10 years now, um, I had that phrase, I just want to go be with my girl, my woman. You know, I just want to be with her. Like there's a, there's a desire that you can grow in your, in your walk with God, to know him not just on an intellectual level, not just on a religious level, but on a deep personal real level. Any every person in here can know him. Jesus offers that to you. Matthew 6:33 says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I want I've been living this about 15 years and I've never seen this fail. I've seen God provide I've God's provided a car, a house, a wife, kids, he's given all this stuff like miraculously at different times. And he's also got, I got through college, I graduated. So if you think, oh, I can't follow Jesus and get good grades, that's a lie. And knowing Christ is like a progressive thing. You can know him deeper and deeper. It's like you're in this tunnel, this dark tunnel, and you're walking towards the light. Psalm four eighteen says, but the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. You may be looking at be looking at me and thinking this guy's kind of crazy about God. This guy is saying stuff that's a little weird about how he loves God and how he wants to spend time with God. But you don't understand. Like if you're thinking that, you don't know God like I do. <laughs> like you don't know that that there's a light at the end of this tunnel. And I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm saying that it's only by the grace of God that I know God the way I do. But I've been walking towards Christ for a little while. And I see the light in the life that's opening up to me. And it's, it's something I want for every one of you. I want you to have that light and that path and that guidance in life, that light in your life. First Timothy 6.21, it says, Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. You could have everything in life. But if you don't have God, you don't have anything. I want to ask you a question, an honest question. I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you grew up in church. I'm not asking if you prayed a prayer. I'm asking do you know God? Do you know God on a personal and real level? Do you walk with God? Does God guide you in your life? Do you speak with God on a daily basis? Do you really know God? Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with, with that person and they with me. Jesus right now, honestly, is knocking on the door of your heart. And in the context, this was written to the church. If you're a follower of Christ, Jesus is, knocking, is still knocking on the door of your heart saying, I want to know you deeper. I want to know if, if you've never given your life to Jesus, he's definitely knocking on your door saying, I want to know you. I want an intimate, deep, meaningful relationship with you. Just eating, eating a dinner in the Bible's times was like such a, an, a special, intimate thing. So you can know God on a real personal level. And I want that for every person in here. If that's you, there's a prayer, a sample prayer that expresses that. It's not magic words. I'll put it up on the screen here. It says, Lord Jesus, I want to know you in a real way. I'm sorry for how I've sinned against you in so many ways. I accept your forgiveness and invitation to know you personally. Please take over and guide me in my life from now on. If that's you, I want to encourage you to take a moment silently to pray that to God. And so I'm going to let it be awkward for a minute and let you guys, whoever, and if that's you, if you've prayed something like this before, I want to encourage you just to express to God, God, I want to know you deeper. I want to know you on a deeper level. So let's just take a moment, uh, about 30 seconds, to pray this prayer or pray whatever you feel led to pray to God. So let's take a few moments to pray. Father, we come to you with our, with our lives as they are, with the imperfections, with the sin, with our regrets. And we come to you and we say, we just want to know you better. Some of us in here tonight uh, have never really gotten to know you in a real way. I pray that you would make themsel- yourself real to, to them, that you would come into their life and you would lead them, you would guide them, you would help them know you not just on a religious level or intellectual level, but on a real level that you would change their life forever. And that that you would help each of us to know you on a progressively deeper and deeper level that this time next year, we love you so much that we can't even put it into words that we, we want to just give our whole lives to following you. And I, I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.